We are actually going to do communion after the preach. So for those that say communion and thinking, oh no, we've forgotten. We haven't. We are actually going to do it at the end of the preach. So it's great to be with you this morning. And um, we're going to be sharing our last subject. So we've been reading Ephesians 4. Um, and I'll just quickly remind you from Ephesians 4.11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, I hope you've got your Bibles this morning. Who's got their Bibles? You know, when we come to church... (laughs) It's a great thing to bring your Bible because we talk on it quite a bit here. Um, and, and actually, what I've noticed, I love, I know when I watch, when I drive past other churches even, I see people carrying their Bibles to church. Do you know what? It just, it blesses me because I think, gosh, these are the people of God. And they have got, my, my Bible's down there and I can't fit it all on here, but I've written it down. But it's, it's like um, the sword, you know, it's, it's. It's where we go into battle with the Word of God. So it's really, really important for us to have our Bibles and to have them available. Um, some people carry little Bibles in their back pocket. I know when I'm chaplain, doing chaplaincy, I carry a little Bible because sometimes you just need it. You know, sometimes you just need to go, do you know what? I've got right scripture for you right there. Anyway, I'm going a bit off, bit off piece there. Um, so, so we've looked at the, the various gifts that God has given to the church. We've had the apostle and the prophet, and they're kind of the underpinning gifts of the church. They bring vision and direction. We've had the evangelist that Keith spoke on, um, and that's the, the, the person that is bringing the gospel, bringing the message, taking it out into the people. And we've had the teacher, um, and Josh brought the teacher, and that to, is to bring instruction to the believers. And today we've got the pastor role. Now, the pastor and teacher, there's a bit of a debate. We call it the fivefold ministry gifts in Ephesians. There's a debate whether pastor-teacher is one gift together. But actually, there are some differences in it. And I, it all is balanced on the Greek verbs and stuff like that. So, um, but what the, what the teacher brings is the same um, as the pastor in that he brings instruction, training, and correction. But what the pastor brings is he brings, he nurtures and protects the people. Okay, so you'll see in Timothy, Timothy talks about basically elders and what is um, required of an elder. When it talks about a pastor, it says a pastor should be able to teach. Um, But you will find that not all teachers are natural pastors. So there is a slight difference there. Now, Keith mentioned a few weeks ago that... um, Although these are gifts, and and in some respects, leadership gifts, or what we used to call offices of um, these different roles, um, they are gifts given to the church, and uh, gifts that all of the church actually should be trying to display and growing in. So we should all be going out and evangelizing. You know, we should all be telling our friends, our family, people around us about Jesus. We should all be growing. We should want to grow, and we should want to help others grow. That's teaching. Um, And we should all be wanting to pastor people, because actually that's what Jesus did. He was a pastor. He pastored the people. 
Um, and so when we look at any of the gifts, we do really need to look at Jesus and how he did them, how he modeled them to us. Now, a little bit, I don't think I'm intelligent for one minute, but um, a little bit of a Greek word here for you. Um, the word in scripture that we use as pastor is the word um, poine, poine. I had to listen to that to make sure I <laughs> said it right. And it actually is translated as shepherd. Um, the word pastor is actually derived from the Latin word for shepherd. Unfortunately, sometimes the English translation doesn't quite describe what the real word is. And, and so it, we kind of don't fully understand what it's all about. But when we look at the word shepherd, we can kind of understand because Jesus often refers to us, or the Bible actually, even the Old Testament, we are often referred to as sheep. So Isaiah said, we like sheep have gone astray, each to our own way. Ezekiel, um, when he's given a prophetic word, he said, I will be like a shepherd. This is a prophetic word from God to the people. I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered sheep. I will find my sheep and rescue them from the place where they were scattered. Psalm 100 says, we are his people, the sheep of his pastors. Isaiah 40, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. So it certainly makes a lot more sense when we see that word as shepherd and we are the sheep. Because then it brings this beautiful thing, and I'm going to go and speak on in a moment, this beautiful uh, connection between the good shepherd or the chief shepherd and us, his assistant shepherd, who's helping him with his flock. So let's have a look at the character of God as a shepherd. The first reference, actually, of God being a shepherd is right in the beginning in Genesis. Um, and it's, it's where Jacob is blessing and prophesying over his sons. And he's talking about Joseph. And he says, but his bow remained steady. His strong arm stayed limber because the hand of the mighty one of Jacob, because of the shepherd, the rock of Israel. So right early on in scripture, we're identifying God as a shepherd. I guess the best one we will all know, particularly in the Old Testament, is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. And as we look through the whole of that psalm, we can see that he, he, his character in that. So the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He supports me. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He shows me how to rest. And I think that's what Levy's on tonight. Um, He leads me beside the quiet waters and refreshes my soul. Now, when I've just been looking at this, I've been looking at sheep because I thought that's kind of an interesting thing to have a look at. You know, I'm talking about sheep, shepherds. Let's have a look at them. Sheep will not um, drink from running water because it's a danger to them. Sheep, sheep, if you notice, they've sort of got these little four legs and this great big wool thing going on here. And if they flip over, if they fall over onto their back, they are most likely to die unless somebody helps them. So being in running water, it's a bit scary for them. So they have to have still water to drink from. It's a safe, it's a safe place for them to refresh. And I love that in this whole context of Jesus being our shepherd, he provides a safe place for us to refresh. He guides me through the paths for righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So he's offering us protection 
and comfort in there. Actually, the rod and the staff were two of the pieces of equipment that shepherds would use. The, the rod was like a stick with a great big gnarly lump thing on the end there. Um, and that would be to um, protect. So that would be if you know you've got a bear or a lion or a wolf coming at you. That's going to be your protection. So you've got the rod protection. And then you also have the staff that brings correction and direction. So the, the staff would bring um, cor correction in that if something goes wandering off, and the staff has got this sort of curly bit at the top, that's a bit big, curly bit at the top, um, and they'd be able to hook it around. So if a sheep fell down, they'd be able to hook it, pull it back up again. They'd be able to just, they would, it's quite a long stick, so they'd be able to direct sort of this way. That way. When we was in Rwanda, there was a guy called, we called him the stick man because he had a stick. And he would be directing the kids like, no, you, you just go that way. You need to just be in there. You just stay out of this bit here, you know. And it reminds me when I was thinking about this, that actually, that, you know, sometimes that God just has to just gently direct us just this way. He's not, it's not a stick to beat us with. I never, when I was looking at the shepherd, I never saw them beating the sheep with their sticks. They were purely there to protect and to direct and correct. Uh, moving on, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. He's a shepherd that just blesses, pours his overflowing blessing. You know, when we're worshiping today, isn't it just beautiful just to be in the presence of God and sense his, his spirit with us? He just blesses us. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He homes us. He gives us a home. And so, what that, so when we look at the character of the shepherd in the Old Testament through, through God our Father, he's just such a precious image, and Psalm 23 is such a precious image. Um, and I read it, I love to read it in different um, interpretations of that, because there are you get something different out of each Bible. So NIV will be slightly different to King James. I was brought up on the King James. It's, I find it easy to remember. When I write in NIV, I struggle because sometimes I get the wrong word. And so I've got something written down, but it's not a natural flow for me because I want to go back to the old, the old King James. But anyway, so we've looked at that in the Old Testament. So now we're going to look at Jesus because Jesus identifies himself as a shepherd. So if we turn to John 10, and I think I've got this on the screen as well. Therefore, Jesus says again, and I've missed the beginning bit because it's quite a long chapter. So from verse 7. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. 
I must bring them also. And they too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Now, I, this is, this is a, a great scripture. I love this scripture. So much depth in this scripture. And this is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. And firstly, I love the fact that he says, I am the good shepherd. Now, when Jesus identifies himself as I am, it's a pretty significant thing. In the book of John, we see it seven times Jesus identifies himself as I am. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. And so, um, so when Jesus identifying himself as I am, He's, he is making a statement here. It, it would be profound to the Pharisees because they would know the scriptures. They would have learned the scriptures. And they would know that when Moses first encountered God and, and was going to speak to the people to bring them out of um, slavery, and he said, who shall I say is sending me? And God had said, this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you, has sent me to you. I am has sent me to you. So the I am proclamations point to Jesus' um, divine identity and his purpose. Um, the Pharisees would have known that. They wouldn't have liked it, but they would have known it for certain. And then he goes on to use um, the word the good shepherd. Now, not simply a shepherd, but the shepherd. Now, I don't know if you've ever noticed when we used to talk about the queen, we talk about the queen, not a queen but the queen, because she held such a high level. Even across the world, she was known as the queen. Not the queen of which other, any other country, but just simply the queen. It was enough. And here we see Jesus just saying, I am the good shepherd, not a good shepherd, the, unlike any other above all other. So he's identified himself as the name of God. He's identified himself as the position of God. And then he goes on to use the word good. Now, the Greek word here is kalos, which describes what's noble, wholesome, good, and beautiful. So when Jesus is talking about this, he's talking about the character, his character, his goodness, his righteousness, and his beauty. So now we've got Jesus in just this very, just this one statement alone is saying, I am the name of God. I am the position of God. Good shepherd, character of God. Isn't that incredible? You know, Jesus doesn't need to use hundreds of words to make himself known on who he is. I am the good shepherd. So in this passage, we also find that Jesus making it clear he wasn't just for the Jewish people, that he laid down his life. It says, other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. So, so he is clearly identifying the Gentiles here. So he's talking to the Jews, the Pharisees, who didn't think much of the Gentiles. And he's going, do you know what? Not only am I God, I am the God of everyone. So then we have John 3, 16, that whoever believes in me shall have everlasting life. This would not be a conversation that the Pharisees would have enjoyed very much. Now, he did go on to talk about the bad 
um, shepherds as well. But that's a, that's a whole different story, so we won't go into that today. But, um, but he was identifying himself as a difference to them and the way that they were leading the people. So it's no surprise then when Jesus, who has willingly now laid down his life for his sheep, as he had said in Scripture, and post his resurrection, has a conversation with Peter. Um, and he's on the beach. And in Peter 21, we have this whole conversation. Um, and this, this, again, this scripture has many meanings, but we're just going to keep it simple for now. And verse 15, it says, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know I love you. Then Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He replied, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. So Jesus, having done what he could as the good shepherd, was instructing now Peter to feed and care for the sheep. Peter, um, the rock on which he built his church, was, Peter, I want you to care for, I want you to feed, I want you to equip my sheep. It was interesting that the, the shepherds, often the shepherds from ancient times, were not the owners of the sheep. But a sign of a true shepherd was that they carried the same characteristic of the owners. It's really, really important for us to recognize that we are not the owners of the flock. God is. We are his people, his flock, his sheep. Not ours, not ours, but his. And when we miss that point, we get it very wrong and it can become quite dangerous. We are here to assist and help God in leading his flock. And our role is to teach others how to care for and tend the flock. Peter then goes on um, as, as the church is, is growing, and he passes on this mantle then. So in 1 Peter 5, he's speaking to the elders, and he said to the elders among you, I appeal, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering, who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples of the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So we have such a beautiful picture now of Jesus modeling how to be a shepherd to his flock, then passing that on to Peter, and then Peter passing it on to the elders. And the elders would have passed it on to other people in the church because they were edifying and growing the church. And here we find ourselves today, generations later, shepherding and caring and nurturing and growing the people of God. And what a privileged position it is. But because the role is to equip others, actually, the pastors is not the pastors. We have many pastors 
in this church. We have people who are leading our kids, leading our youth and young adults. We've got people who are leading connect groups. And, they are, and we've got people who are mentoring and doing the four coffees. These are people who are pastoring people. And we have to be so careful that we don't get caught in the pastor role is a one-man band. It really isn't. Through scripture, we can clearly see, you know, that we are a body and we're working together as a body. And the role in these Ephesians 4 is for those roles to equip others to do the role. And that's really important. So we're just going to quickly have a few, um, a look at a few of the characteristics now that Jesus showed us on how we can be better shepherds of his people. And we, we're really um, fortunate to have Claire, who's a, a counsellor, but she works for the... Um, pastoral care Christian pastoral care team as well and in September we are actually going to be doing some training on pastoral care on how we can safely pastor people and if you are leading any one of those groups you will be getting an invite to that but if you have a heart that says actually I just want to see God's people grow then come along because God is growing us so first thing we see in in Jesus is that he showed compassion Jesus, everywhere he went, everyone he spoke to, he was compassionate. In Matthew 9, 36, um, when he's walking through the different villages and that, we say he's speaking to his um, disciples. And when he saw the crowds, it says, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Again, going back to the whole sheep thing. But he had compassion on them. When we look at him with Mary and Martha, when Lazarus had died... Do you know what? He'd already said, he'd already said to the disciples that Lazarus won't die. So he'd already said that. So he knew that he was going to raise him from the dead. But when he spoke with Mary and Martha, the Bible says he wept. Why? Why would he weep when he already knows what's going to happen? It's because he felt compassion. He took the time. He listened to their hurt. He let them describe what they were going through, and he wept with them. And sometimes when we're in a pastoral lead, we need to not try and fix people, but just listen to them, give them space to grieve, and come alongside them and grieve with them. And then Jesus steps in. We see that he's a protector. Jesus just naturally protects. I found it really interesting um, that, that he, when we do safeguarding here, we'll talk about where we find protection in the Bible. One of the stories we notice is, is the woman caught in adultery when, when they're trying to stone her and, and she, they bring her to Jesus and they say, well, you know, what, you know, the law says this. And Jesus just very calmly writes in the sand probably the law, scripture that they would understand and eventually they walk away. Didn't really have to say a lot, but he did stand in the gap, and he did protect. And when they'd all gone, he said to her, now, woman, where are they? No one has, has no one condemned you? She said, no, sir. He said, well, then, go and sin no more. Just very gently protecting and correcting that rod and that staff. Um, and then... 
There's a beautiful prayer in John 17. I don't know if you've ever read it, but it's a prayer of Jesus, and, he, and he's praying. He's praying for his disciples. And in verse 11, it says, Now I'm departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you, Holy Father. You have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost. So, you know, he, he automatically he had this shepherd's heart, this compassionate heart, this protecting heart. And he was humble. We can see that. Now, there's a bit of a problem sometimes in the Western world with humility. But if we want to be more like Jesus and we want to be pastoring or shepherding God's people, we have to be humble. We have to be humble. Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Jesus, the Son of God, there at the beginning of time for the creation. And yet he gets on his knees and he washes the feet. It's interesting that all of these gifts in Ephesians 4, the church in some respects has put them on a pedestal. But the Bible says if you're going to be great in God's kingdom, you need to be a servant. You need to be a servant. You need to get your hands dirty. And so there is a humility that we need with Jesus when we become like Jesus. Um, in Philippians 2, it talks about having an attitude of Christ. And it says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and one purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You ha must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. That's for all of us. If we, are, if we love Jesus and we know Jesus, then actually we are called to be like Jesus. And if we're called to be like Jesus, we are called to pastor and shepherd his people, to love, to protect, to show compassion and to be humble. We are uh, going to go into a time, so if the band want to jump up, um, of communion. Because actually the last thing we see is that Jesus was sacrificial. He laid down his life for his sheep. When he went to the cross and he took all our sin and all our shame, all our hurts and all our pain, and he carried them. And he carried them. He took them so that we would have freedom in Christ. And we do communion because actually it's a time when we remember our good, the good shepherd, the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. And so we're just going to, if Aaron, just bring the table, we're just going to do that today. And, and I would say, as we're looking at this, and I've been reading a book, um, and we gave it to Levy, there's a book called Jesus Freaks. It's a book about people who have given their life, laid down their life. They're the martyrs of the faith, you know, that's laid down their life. And I think... There's a time when sometimes we have to take up our cross and say, am I willing to lay down my life for his sheep? 
Am I willing to lay down my life for the gospel to be shared? Remember when Jesus said to Simon, uh, to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Feed and care for my lambs and my sheep. I believe there is a calling on each and every one of us to take up our cross and say, actually, for you, it's all for you. It's all for you, Jesus. We just need to be good shepherds of the good shepherd this morning.